You're tuning in to Two Brownish Girls with your hosts Talitha and Cribs. Just a quick disclaimer and explicit content warning. All content in this podcast is 100% unfiltered and is from our own personal views and experiences and not on behalf of anyone else. We want to use this platform as an opportunity to speak on topics prevalent in our personal experiences, both as Australian-raised Melanesian and Polynesian women in Western Sydney. As two brownish girls, Krups and I would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the First Nations of this country, and the Darug people, the traditional custodians of the land in which we record and share our stories on. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and colonisation continues to this day. Now on to our show. Hello, hello, hello. It is the August edition of Two Brownish Girls with Talitha and... Cribs, what's good everyone? Happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday the 10th of August, even though you'll be listening to this from the 15th. Correct, (laughs) Um, yes. Majority. (laughs) Shout out our Patreon. Yes, which brings us into... um, A big thanks, uh, a massive Patreon shout out to three of our recent patrons. We've got Lachlan Harris, Joanne Tulfa and Sarah. We are so grateful for you guys Um, and all of your, um, you know, subscriptions. It goes towards us fundraising for some um, new podcasting equipment. So appreciate you guys and welcome to our August episode. So um, this episode is about grief. Yes, and we thought we'd bring a beautiful, like, nice, cheery-ish song that would ease us into this, and so we don't get sued. This is Pori Pi Pum from Sunmi, who is a South Korean singer, formerly from Wonder Girls. If you know your K-pop history, shout out K-pop. We know how Two Brownish Girls feels about K-pop. We love to see it. We love <laughs> One day when we interview BTS, yes. Manifesting. I'm going to manifest that energy. I'm mm. going to manifest marrying Kim Namjoon, okay? <laughs> what a happy start for a very intense <laughs> episode. But um, the decision to do the grief episode was just in part of my healing process um, since losing both of my parents in 2017. So I asked Cribs, like, if it was cool just to basically just discuss um quickly like you know what we went through how we're feeling how dealing um the most important part of the most important part of this episode is just how you deal with your grief after suffering massive losses and you know just a disclaimer like we everyone's different in the grieving process Mm -hmm. but um the experiences that we're discussing today is our own experiences and what we felt through um, losing a parent or parents. Definitely. Um, So that's what it's about. That's what this episode is about for us. And specifically, you know, I think we've both of us, both of us have already mentioned in previous episodes that we have lost a parent or both parents. Um, But the point of this episode is for our own healing. Uh, As you know, 
cribs myself has cried many times on this on this podcast <laughs> but it's also meant that i think that i've i've it's like a breakthrough for me yeah and i've healed on that in that particular area and i'm you know i feel like i can move on so yeah i think for us this is just one of those things that we're looking to um uh heal from uh so yeah long story short both of us have lost um parents um i lost my mom in 2006 i was gonna say 2017 but 2006 <laughs> is when i lost my mom uh i was 12 years old at the time i was in year seven so for those who are not school like have not gone to high school in australia that's like the first year of high school um and it was my second week of high school um basically she had a heart attack and i remember the day uh i said i love you and i gave her a kiss and for me, like, I never did that. It was just like a, see, mom. That's a weird, and like, that, not weird, but just it's such a, yeah. Hey. And that's what yeah. I never, I never forget because I did that and I gave her a big hug and a kiss and I left, not knowing that that was going to be the actual last time that I did any of that um, to her living self. So um, it was hard. I was 12 and I had like two young adult siblings and a dad that was like You're not really young. present yeah you know when you were 12 and wasn't your brother 19 your sister 21 yeah thereabouts so it was like three young kids like not knowing how to deal with all the responsibilities of an adult let alone try and put a family back together so it was hard for us it was uh, at one point it felt very forced because we all moved back in to make it work. To make it work yeah. and try and save the house that my parents had built for us yeah. in Ambervale. Shout out 2560. Um, shout out. And uh, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> um, but it just didn't work out. And I remember the day that we sold our house and I was at a fucking UTS open day in 2009. And it was for like year 10. Yeah. It was a year 10 open day. And I remember- It's funny how you ended up there. Yeah, right? <laughs> I remember going there and we were in a seminar and they were telling us about all the great things about UTS. And I remember getting a message from my dad asking me to call him and I called him. And he was like, they've sold the house, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's done, it's gone. And like, I didn't know how to act. Like I'm in the middle of a fucking seminar and I was so desensitized from it. But you know, like years later, like it was a really emotional time for us because that house is like a symbol for our family. Yeah. And to know that we couldn't save it was like really like a breaking point for us, like to know. I mean, I, like I don't hold it against my, my siblings because you know, like they had no financial like knowledge on how to keep that house. And they were young and they were grieving and they grieved through like using all the money that we could have used towards the house. So, I mean, for now, like looking at it and having this financial knowledge that I do have, it's mm -hmm. like, I want to, I want to save the house. Like I want to buy it back. Yeah. And that's like a long-term goal for me is I'd love to buy that house back and like strip it back and like. That's possible. You know, I, I believe Definitely. it. I'm, yeah. I'm putting it into the podcast to manifest. Um, it's a keyword in this podcast yeah. manifest. I said it actually at work the other day. I said, yeah. I manifest that when we move to our new building that we still have a view of Sydney Harbour. 
And for some reason, some people in my team took manifest as like, I would try and coerce like the male management <laughs> of us having a view. And I was like, no, I don't think you understand what manifest means. It's not what you're thinking it means. And I was like, this is really awkward. Don't get it twisted. Please don't get it Keith Sweat twisted. Like, please, I'm a, I'm a simple girl from Western Sydney. But like, yeah, like they would have been so young. And I feel like in general, we don't, um, our community doesn't get much support like on how to deal with finances um no especially not not especially not 10 years ago or 15 years ago no definitely i mean even now we don't really we get like i mean there's probably things that i should know about the community no there are are things that are available but they're not like as visually like open to everyone you know like um there's just like a lot of basic information that we really need to be like putting back to our communities and yeah I mean, it's just one of those things that you know we'd love to I would love to do to try and um yeah just inform people like our people about yeah. these little things that could potentially because I think also as well like it's just the language here in Australia like there's a language barrier and yeah. also Pacific people can be quite proud to ask for help of anyone yeah. outside the community yeah I mean and you don't even <laughs> ask your own family for help Nah. Like, that's what I feel like in some situations. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so what it was what was it like for you, like, with the um, with what happened with your parents? Oh, like, you know, I, I really divide my life now um, between, like, before they died and then after they died. Like... Seems fair. Yeah, it's really weird how I, um, like, BD, AD... Shout out ancient history. Um, <laughs> don't judge me. Nah, <laughs> I say that. I say that. But like, yeah, like I do a whole, oh, like I have to actually think for a moment and think of a certain memory. And then I have to think, okay, was that when they were still alive or when they died? Because it was such, it was just so much to deal with. Um, my mom died. She was terminally ill. From like no, um, from December two thousand sixteen till August two thousand seventeen, and she died like third of August, and um, she had a brain tumor. But then Dad died November seventeenth, but he died suddenly. He died in his sleep, and um, trigger warning. We forgot to say before, but um, just in regards to the details of death that we're going to be talking about, this is the only part that I'll bring up. Yeah, but um. I found my dad's dead body in his bed. Um, so that, like, I've had really bad. Um, my, I've already had anxiety growing up, but it was never at the level of the severe anxiety um, that I have now. That's really, really, um, like, it's getting better, but it's still pretty bad, yeah. um, to be honest. Like, for example, I caught the bus home to Granville. Shout out, no license gang. <laughs> Um, and the bus was too crowded and I was too anxious and scared to actually ask people to move. So I stayed on the bus till it was at Chester Hill. Then I had to get home from Chester Hill. So just like, um, a lot of people don't like have like, even like family members have said they don't believe I have anxiety because they see my social media posts. But um, I just, yeah, I would just really want to rest assured that um, please do not believe everything that you see on social media. Um, 
Because I used to post quite regularly on Instagram and then I ended up in a psych ward. Like so, in October 2018 on Halloween. Get that, bitches. I'm like a real goth fucking energy princess, literally. <laughs> it was very one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, But I think it's just that, yeah, it's just there was so much to deal with that and so much has happened since then. It's been yeah. like three years. Like it's like so much has happened. Like I... I left the company that I was with for the majority of my 20s. Like, mm. you know, I am now with an international company working. I got into post-grad at, like, the uni that I wanted to go to since I was 12. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to start history. I wanted to study history there. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, um, just all these things have happened. And it's just, like, uh, you just... It's just a weird, it's a weird feeling because sometimes I feel like it's not real and that it hasn't happened. And then I still feel like, oh, like it's not real, but it is. Yeah. Like it's just accepting that they've died. And that's the hardest part, I think. Like I wanted to talk about it openly because I feel like I'm in the process of getting, okay, they are dead. But I think, I think this goes far beyond dead parents gang. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think for us, like you and I and many of other friends that have lost a parent as well. Yeah. Like that's our coping mechanism to be a part of like, you know, hashtag dead parents gang. But I think. Dead parents gang. <laughs> like, oh I think this gosh. goes beyond it. Like, yeah, you know, we're starting to actually openly talk about it. Yeah. Um, and realize the feelings that we're going through and acknowledging some of them are still there from, you know, like when it first yeah. happened. Um, for those who don't know, by the way, we, well, actually no one will fucking know, but we actually tried to record this episode a week ago, um, on about a week ago, (laughs) uh, hashtag free murder. Um, we tried to record this episode a week ago and we were literally finishing up this episode. It, mind you, it had gone for probably like an hour and a half. It was like one twenty. It was two hours. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It was about two hours. And I kid you the fuck not. We were like literally about to sign off on the episode and press stop recording. And like a wave of like wind. Nah, Mm. it it felt like wind, but like a wave of wind just like went through this studio and it like turned off the um, the mixer and it turned off like power to like the light that says on air. And me and Talia, they just look at each other and we're like, what the fuck? And I immediately am like the spirits, uh, the ancestors do not want us to talk into this detail. I um, believe it though. I think, yeah. Like, and I think we were going to a detail that uh, probably not comfortable sharing. Like now that I reflect, that yeah. there was a detail that was we were going into about their deaths that was too yeah, I mean, um, I got quite, I got quite emotional, and I think there is some times that I do still get emotional when I do this. But understandably, like yeah. it felt like I had gone into a little bit of like the sunken place, like in my story, like in my mm. recount of it, that I felt like, well, this was really deep. Like I was just sharing some intricate stuff, and I think for us, obviously, like we are quite, we like to say that we are quite open in a lot of our yeah. feelings and stuff. But I'm trying to be better. <laughs> and I, look, I think this podcast is a good opportunity for it. But I also think that, yeah, the spirits were like a bit too much Because then we nearly got hit by a car outside. Dude, swerving. Specifically a C63 AMG. It was, was fucking swerving. swerving. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to die. Like, um, 
Yeah. Someone in the family is going to steal all my designer fucking handbags. I'm pressed. <laughs> like, because I told them, I told all family and friends, it's if I die early and you think you're going to not bury my bags with me, I will haunt you. <laughs> and think I'm a very petty person. I still have not watched Finding Nemo. Because Keep of that com- in mind. A comment a classmate made in 2003. So just think of how much I would haunt you. I'm, I'm like, no, yeah, exactly. You don't want that. That's just a PSA for anyone who's going to try and fight, like fight for my designer stuff. It's not happening. It's not. Mm-mm. Bury me with it. Just like Smithers getting buried with Mr. Burns. <laughs> but like, yeah, I think like, um, I think it was just, yeah, I think it was just us to be more open. Um, yeah. Talking about it one-on-one, just talking about how we've dealt with um everything because you know like it's such a difference in age like i feel thankful that i spent at least nearly 30 years with my parents like even though i lost them yeah within like three months of each other i'm blessed to have had that experience Mm. um for as long as i had them and that um you know even though it was a short a shortish time it's it was a significant time through our childhood and teenage years and adulthood so i think also that's part of the healing process is that you realize that um as the years progress like everything comes into perspective with yeah dealing with the trauma that you're just like you know what like i i think the thing is it's like you just hope that they're happy with whatever choices you're making but then you shouldn't beat yourself up for that Mm. And I think that's a thing as well that we tend to do because we are used to them for their guidance. Yeah, validation. And, and validation and like their advice. Mm. You know, anytime I had a problem, I ask mom. And then, you know, if I had a problem with like certain things, like different subjects, it depends like which parent I would ask or I'd ask both parents. And like, and that's like the thing I miss the most is that, that just like reassurance that, yeah. oh no, like, you know. You're being a dropkick, Talitha. Like, <laughs> how do you feel? Uh, how do you cope with that now? Not having that. Like, do you confide in anyone else, or do you rely on your own gut? Like, where do you sit now with that? I still feel. Um, I'm still feel. I have a lot of like walls and everything to break down because I am, in general, I am not the people that know me <laughs> that will be listening and be triggered by me. <laughs> um, is that I'm not. Mm, I don't know how to say it. I'm I am an emotional person but I think I just have a different you have a different language language <laughs> yes I have a different language um I used to not like hugs but I'm I like hugs like I'm getting used to getting hugs because usually <laughs> which is funny because my parents were both affectionate parents so that was weird that i'm and just more like, so affectionate oh he's like my brother is li- i've said this multiple times in the podcast that he is a golden retriever and i am basically any of the german dogs <laughs> that i'm just like <laughs> like a yeah. like a warm sunny day when i hug your brother he <laughs> It's nice. I actually enjoy so, it. He's like so happy. Like I swear like 99% of the time it does my head in. He's going to hear this and be like, you're being mean to me again. Just like childhood. <laughs> but he's like, we have such different um, ways yeah. of expressing ourselves. And he is a very, like he'll admit he's more sensitive than me. He'll, you yeah. know, put his feelings like out there where I'll be like, no, I'm fine. Like, or I like, I've learned to actually tell family and 
friends straight up how I feel, which mm. I never used to do. So I think that's the influence of what happened with them because life's too short to like not be real with people in your life. That's what. And do you confide in your brother like in those times of being unsure? Some things. Would you like, leave it to um, yourself? Um, most if I'm going and like it's usually um. I've learned to talk more about my mental health more. Anything academic, like anything with uni, I'll ask him because he's more studious than me. Like, and he always hints, like, he's like, you shouldn't be playing PlayStation. Don't, isn't your assignment due in, like, six weeks? Like, you should be. Mm. <laughs> mm. So I have, like, um, that guidance. I, and there's no one else, actually, that I think I probably should like maybe confide into my auntie more like my mum's like my maternal auntie because we're pretty yeah. close like I think it's just learning to like sometimes I do share my grievances with her like she's always good she checks up on us all the time but I think it's just me learning to really like be in my feels <laughs> I said that and like rolled my eyes I was like Ugh. <laughs> like because I'm just like you know it's yeah. just it's yeah. something new f- it's it's new for you though like yeah to be in touch with your feelings like yeah like uh, some people's journeys like just start you know now or you know five years from now but I think it's good however you choose to deal with it mm. I think this is definitely obviously one of them like doing this podcast is one way to feel the feels but it's good that you've got um like people that you can confide in if you want to but it sounds like you're making some decisions yourself yeah like which um, is good most of the time I try to make decisions if I'm having like a really rough day or like the the first two years when it was like really rough, especially the first year after they died, like I did confide in like some friends who'd also lost a parent and like it was good like to have that, um, yeah. share that like grievance of just like knowing that you have friends who unfortunately have that thing in common. Mm. But I think, yeah, like some of my friends were really... And still are very supportive. Like when we talk, um, it was mainly the first few years, but now it's just, it gets, like you just know, in my experience, you just know how to deal with the grief better. Yeah. Um, you're still sad. You have your days or you hear a song or you smell a cologne or a perfume or anything where you go, you know, to a certain restaurant or like, you know, a museum or something and then you get reminded, but then... I think you just learn to process it better than wanting to fight everyone. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. more yeah, it's more it's more like a nice reminder, you know, like yeah. a a nice memory of them. Yeah. Like remember you said that yeah, you were driving through some areas or some streets like in Penrith or um I think it was like at a shopping center that you were at. Yeah. You know, and and I remember you were saying like after that that it was you know, you didn't feel like really sad about it. It was just like, oh, you know, these are the areas we used to drive or whatever. Yeah, like Penrith's a straight up trigger. For any mm. of my Penrith friends who listen to me, like if you um listen to this, is that I try and avoid Penrith like the plague because it's too many good memories there. But yeah. it's getting used to now I'm getting more used to it, um, being okay going back. But yeah, yeah like at first I would like fuck going back to Penrith <laughs> yeah sometimes it's it's like what I found in moving on from those memories is like 
it's like overcoming them and doing those memories with other people. Like there yeah. was times where um, I like, so when my mom died in 2006, we didn't sell the house t- till three years later, 2009. And then from there I've lived in like Livo, the, like since then, yeah. since 2009. And in those like early years after moving, it was really hard to go back yeah. because all of those streets around me. And I used to like work at a pharmacy near there. Yeah. So the I pharmacy. would constantly like have to go back, but I would like purposely ask the person that was driving me or whatever, like to take a different route yeah. that I, that wasn't too common for me. Yeah. And it was really hard, like in those few years after moving. Um, but what helped is like, was eventually going through those streets like with other people like yeah you know if I was in the car with like my sister or my friends and we would just drive through it kind of how do I say it it kind of like overwrote that memory yeah, like I had developing new memories yeah new yeah you know it's like kind of overriding all of the memories that I would have going with my mom down the street or yeah. you know these shortcuts it just helped me go through it a lot better so I mean, personally, I still go to Ambervale, like, you know, every few months or whatever. I, I don't go past the street where my house, my old house oh, is. Oh, so you don't go there. I think I've seen our old house that we grew up in, like, not our Glomal Park house, but our original yeah. house in Glomal Meadows. Like, yeah, I think I've seen it, like, one or two times. Yeah. Like, since mum and dad have died. I've never seen the Glomal Park house because that would be too triggering. Yeah, and um, that, it's just something that, yeah, like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's another step. In, the, in our journey, in our journeys, yeah. like I'm 14 years on and it's still like something I just can't go back to because that's also the house where she died. Yeah. Um, and so like obviously my sister only lasted three years in the house before we sold it. Um, Great song choice. Yeah, shout out Phoenix <laughs> for Fuck, our Phoenix lovers. Fuck, Me neither. I to see them Me live. Neither. That's <laughs> one band. Phoenix and Metronomy is like on my list of like, yeah. Fuck, just <laughs> I, oh, I'm getting mm. emotional now. I remember buying um, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix because the CD was like a third of the price in America than it was in Australia in 2009. So I, was like, I bought it. My <laughs> parents like, "Why are you buying a CD overseas? You're gonna crack in your suitcase." <laughs> you like to just. I was like, it's fine, it's fine. All right, so. We talked a bit about our parents, you know, the the post, like the timeline of events, you know, in, in which our parents had passed away. Uh, one thing we didn't really talk about was the kind of the customs that happened in when they actually passed away and how that kind of had affected us in that grieving process. So I'll go, I'll go first because mine is very short. <laughs> um, but yeah, when my, when my mom died, my sister, um, she organized a lot of if not most of the um, funeral arrangements um, in terms of like the Far Samoa, which is like the Samoan way for people that are not Samoan. It's just like the customs of like doing things mm. the Samoan way. Um, we didn't have a lot because my mum was half Samoan, half Māori. So we were like, mm, yeah, and we were quite like whitewashed. So yeah, there wasn't a lot that we did. Um, but uh, for me, <clears throat> Uh, I had a lot of time to grieve that I wasn't organizing a lot of things. Um, but one thing that probably was unsettling for me was um, just the long, longev- like how long it took yeah. for this like whole, for mum to go from like 
morgue to sit like to grave like it was how long is your guys traditional like the far Samoa way um like um do you have like, I think it's like two weeks or something yeah I think it's like two weeks like total <laughs> like and yeah. you have and there's so many few like um they're called family services yeah which is just like a funeral service that you go to a church and my mom's there or like the coffin is there and we just have like a funeral service of like eulogies and shit but like I just feel like there was just so many, like all the time. And, you know, she'd come to the house, she'd be at the house for like five days. Um, so yeah, people would have time to come and visit we her. We love those Islander traditions. Shout out, I ancestors. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. That's really, that's so great. And, you know, like, I think it was good, but like, I'm so desensitized from like the Fasamo way because I've, there's just been so many deaths in my family. Like yeah. to me, like a marriage is like, I've ha- I've been to as many marriages as I have been to funerals, if not more funerals. Yeah, I think I've been to definitely more funerals in my life than yeah. weddings. And so like I'm just I'm just used to them. Even my when my grandma died, yeah, my cousin purposely moved her marriage up to like a few weeks or months after my grandma passed away, as a way to like bring more happiness into the family. Is that... Uh, I don't know, but, like, that's okay. what I mean, like, in terms of, like, the energy that we give to, like, funerals and, and weddings. It was, like, they wanted to, like, bring something in to, like, make it... Like, to balance? Happy. Yeah. It to was balance like, the trauma. Yeah. And, the and because also, like, my family have a theory that, like, when there's, like, a new baby, there's going to be a death. Oh, like, we have the opposite thing. When someone dies, usually someone's born. Oh, well, like, same yeah. thing. So, same like, if thing. you know someone's, oh, yeah. like, going to die, they're, like someone's pregnant or like if there's like a baby if someone's pregnant you're like someone's gonna die yeah so like yeah there was always that theory as well so it was kind of like trying to balance the scales in terms of i don't know it was weird but um yeah that was probably one thing that was really hard for me is like just the drawn out process of the grieving yeah um that i just felt like by the end of it when she was actually being buried i had like cried all my tears like i just had nothing left to give i was so exhausted um again I wasn't planning it so like I couldn't even compare to how my sister would have been feeling but it was just such an exhausting time um and and just the fact of like people telling me how to be how to oh, grieve oh my gosh uh, <laughs> PSA please do not tell grieving children how they should mourn their parents yeah especially at 12 years old you know just definitely me, especially at kid age yeah <laughs> like the way that I am now as a person is how I would want to have been treated by if I was like to my younger self. Yeah. Like how I treat people and how I treat children is how I want would like to have been treated. So if I'm like trying to comfort like a child of like someone that has died, I'm not going to be like, be strong. You know, this is your He's legacy. Like, place. you know, you need to be strong Stop for your crying. mom. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I would just be there for them. I'd be present and just allow them to feel every feeling that they want to feel. Um, and that's what I can, that's what was really hard for me was because I was, I had to be strong and I was like, yeah. I just became that. And I didn't allow myself to grieve in that whole process. I mean, what you've just said reminded me of the Bowling for Columbine um, movie when they talked to Marilyn Manson and they say, um, Oh, like what would you have said to Eric and Dylan to stop them from doing this? And then Marilyn Manson said, I wouldn't have said anything. I would have just listened to them. 
and that's <laughs> it. Like that's like, and he said that, and they were like, oh, like you know, groundbreaking. Because they try to blame Marilyn Manson's music and other musicians for it, and he's like, no, I would have just listened to them and see what they had to say. Yeah. And how? And that's something that and that's literally the Islanders don't do. We do not because we have the whole traditional, um, the traditional angle that we're being disrespectful, especially. Yeah. Depending on your age or anything, you're meant to respect your elders. And I think it's just getting to the point that, you know, we should only be respecting people who respect us. Mm. Like, if you're, if you're an elder, I feel like, you know... <laughs> respect is mutual. Yeah. Like, we're adults now. <laughs> we're not children yeah. anymore. Like, you know, we're grown-ass adults. I get that a lot when I talk back to someone, like like a family member. Yeah, and it's like, it's not even, it needs to be constructive. Yeah. Like, that's what my grievance with it is. Like, um, you know, anything that you bring up as an, when you're an adult, it's like instantly shot down because you're being disrespectful. You're being like, it's kids these days. They don't know the tradition. Legitimate gaslighting. Yeah, and it's just like, no, you have to listen, you know, now. Mm. Like now I have no chill because I'm more expressive. Before I'd be like, that's fine. Then I'll like <laughs> cry to my fucking diary. Just retreat, yeah. Just retreat and like listen to James Blake. Like <laughs> listen to the Smiths. Just like fucking cry in my room. It's good though. Like you're seeing your worth because like. Because I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Wow, we are done. I am done. Like, yeah. I think, yeah. That whole respect thing is like. Uh, it needs to be mutual. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like. You know, it's just, you know, I feel like I'm kind of over excusing people because they have traditional behavior. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Say it again, please. Say it again. Please. I'm just like, I'm kind of over like excusing people because they have traditional behavior and temperament and everything. I think, yeah, using that as an excuse yeah. is like weak. It is. It's, it's a fucking dog act. Like, wow. That's how I feel about it. And I feel, I think it's a blessing and a curse having so much traditional stuff with that. Like, what did you find with the whole funeral? Like, you know, you're completely, you were There so were things young. that I wanted that I would have not liked to have happened. Yeah. Um, I think it was just like people talking and shit. And like, when, um, you, when people, people talk, talk so you have much to give, shit, like yeah. after it's death. Like, did you even know my mom? Like, it's I'm like, pretty sure you, she, I'm pretty sure you hated her. I said that to people. I said, "Oh, like so, like did you bring this up with her when she was alive?" <laughs> and people were like, "Oh, um," and I'm like, "Oh, you didn't." So it's kind of useless bringing it up like three months after she's dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> like my brother was wow. literally like, "She has no chill." Like he was like literally the messenger for the families, being like, "Please remember that I am." The chilled person in this sibling duo, she has no chill. She will fight everyone in this room energy. This is her energy. Like, so I had to, like, props for my brother, like, literally explaining to the... Because he's more closer to both sides of the family, too, because he's yeah. more involved. He's like mom. He's a social butterfly and all that stuff. So credit to him because he had to give a lot of warnings out to people that Good. I'm, I'm fucking crazy. Good. He's like, literally, he's like, this is her house. She will kick everyone out of this house. She doesn't give a fuck. Like, I just want to just, if people are going to be problematic, like she's going to tell you where to go. And I can't do anything because she's fucking crazy. <laughs> Alexa, play E40, tell her where to go. I fucking love that song. He's like, tell her where to go. Tell her where to okay, go. Anyway. Honestly, that energy. That's yeah, just, legit. Yeah. People saying shit after they died. Like, I know we're digressing right now, but I hate, like, 
I hated people telling us shit yeah. about our parents, like, or just making comments about them after they're dead. It's did you like, you know, so and so did this. I said thanks. Didn't don't really care. Also, they're dead. Yeah. Like, I I will never forget. Um, my dad, my dad actually was admitted to a psych ward. Um, probably it was like before my mom died. Yeah. Um, and oh, I think I remember this story. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She. Um. So yeah. Basically, he was admitted to a psych ward. Yeah. So you know, he has his own demons up until this day. Yeah. And I remember that my um, I'm gonna say relatives. Because I do know that some of my cousins listen to this podcast. So, uh, yeah, I had some relatives that were blaming my mom, essentially, for my dad's um, downfall of depression Can and shit. Can we stop blaming women? Yeah. Um, for, it's literally and like... And they were women as well. Like, um, I don't get that vibe. It's literally like Mac Miller all over again and everyone blaming Ariana the drug Grande. Dealer. And the drug dealer. Yeah. Like, for um, giving him the drugs. Guys, like... I'm fucking yeah. done with that too. Like and we're yeah. not here. We're not here to fucking hold your hands. <laughs> it was annoying. It was frustrating. And I remember I never knew about it. I knew all of this stuff until like after she died. So like my and sister sheltered me. Yeah. She sheltered me from a lot of the shit of like my relatives. Yeah. And so yeah, I remember hearing about that. And um, makes you want. Did you what? Did you feel like? Did you? What's your energy like? Do you want to punch on or stuff like that? Um, I'm like I, a very like I go extreme, like straight to thinking of violence. That, yeah, yeah. It was a filter for me. So like I, obviously like I was young, so I didn't know about all of this stuff until like you know like my late teens, like and nineteen then, twenty. Yeah. And so like when I found out, it was kind of like yeah, I'm done with them. Like I'm done with them. Like yeah, because you see your family. Um, that's one thing I'd love to advise. Um, before anyone loses a parent, <laughs> is that you see the true colors of your family. Yeah. Because your parents have protected you this whole time. Ooh, that filter. They have protected you so much that maybe that's the reason why your parents moved out to Penrith and didn't stay in Parramatta when you were growing it's like, up. That's why they don't talk to that auntie yeah. or that uncle or that person. And now you're just like, oh shit. Like, because you don't have that protective, like, barrier. That shield. That shield, yeah. Like, that energy. It makes me anything. sad, though, like, thinking about it because. Like here are our parents yeah. protecting us from this bullshit yeah. of our relatives, but then they still they still saved face. Like, and so you know, if we liked that that relative, they would still well. I, I, for me, anyway, yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't let that those issues cloud my judgment of them. Yeah, like they still allowed me to think that those people were perfect in my eyes, and they were my favorite people, you know, in my family. And then, like, after she died, it was, like, all of this shit came out. And I was, like, oh. Mm. Fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, fuck you guys. Um, and it, it was even to the point that, like, when they were saying that they were blaming my mom for my dad being uh, going to a psych ward. After that, after my mom died, some years later, a relative, I won't name the location, but a relative <laughs> said to me that she had had encounters with my dad, like, you know, um, in recent years, and she's like, oh, you know, I can see that, like, it wasn't your mom. That oh, was the reason, you know, like, up. it's all your dad. Apologies too late, cunts. I was like, <laughs> she's all, like, your bones Your true colours are showing. Like, and it, yeah. it was upsetting because, like, I just hated that people had these, like, misconceptions of my family and not, like, 
And she's Based not there what, to defend herself. That's yeah, the part that annoys that's what me the frustrated. most. It's like, yeah. they're not there to defend themselves. Nah, it was pissing me off. And I mean, what can you do? Like, I yeah. guess it just helps me have like an idea of like who I want to fuck around with now yeah. and who I don't. And I don't yeah. know. It's frustrating, but I don't know. I'm, I'm digressing because that's just something that really like grinded my gears when my mom died was like just hearing all this shit about all these people that didn't like her for no fucking reason and just realizing how much she sheltered me in all of this bullshit people are jealous i'm like well she's dead now yeah but to be honest i'm glad uh you know i see the good in her passing away because the true colors yeah, yeah you wouldn't have known all these like scheming relatives yeah I, there's a lot of good Believe things that have come me, away from you it you don't realize <laughs> until your parents die and then you're like oh why the whole time <laughs> so we talked about um you know like how life has been after mm. um did you think that you had enough time to grieve as a pacifica woman oh no trying into the traditions that you no. had to uphold no, because like I organized mum and dad's funerals, and I then I organized my cu- first cousin's funeral, my first cousin Leonard, who died in Fiji mm. in January, um, two thousand eighteen. So in six months, I did three Fijian funerals. Wait, how how <laughs> far in your healing process do you feel like you're set back? <laughs> oh, like it's I I think I'm slowly healing. I'm not, I'm like at the starting stage still, I think. Because mm. now I've had time to like think. Has COVID sped that up? I think, yeah, COVID's helped because it's just like, I think of like funny scenarios as like, oh my God, like mom would have so much fucking toilet paper and with, all her, <laughs> with all her catering connections in Western Sydney. Like Oy. she would have like a fuck off amount of like resources. And then my auntie brought up, like her older sister brought up, hey, how funny, like your mom would be like selling people toilet paper, but at like a double the price. And I said, hundred percent, she would have had like a racket going on like that. <laughs> like she'd be like ringing me and saying, do any of your friends need toilet paper? We can give them a discount or some shit because she'll have like <laughs> all her commercial cleaners, like everyone she knew um in the role, like she was accommodations manager of like a, a few retirement villages. So she had all the connects. Like for everything. Love it. So like we would have had like a fucking stupid amount of food and a stupid amount of like resources at home. Like that we wouldn't have to worry. <laughs> I think of stuff like that. And like I think of like like my dad would have probably predicted like COVID coming in like six months. Or he would have told like, you guys in January. Yeah, like when I he reckon. like January 2019, he was reading something on like something and he'll like, he would send that to us. Like my dad used to do that. If he'll read something, he always sends us emails like every day, like to my brother and I saying, oh, like, this is happening. Or, like, look at this new weapon that this country has. Like, this is a bit suspicious. <laughs> and we'd be like, oh, okay, like, oh, okay, dad. Like, you're on your own fucking, like, you know. Even getting his phone after he died, like, he had, like, <laughs> he had, like, voice recordings of himself, like, um, when there were suspicious characters being sus on the train and that he would, like, I'd, like, talk about their, like, just all the details so he'd like yeah like shit like that like my dad's ex-military and we're like from a military family so like a lot of um family are currently serving like here and overseas and that yeah so it's like that energy of like 
that level. Like we would have been like the bushfires and like fucking COVID would have just been like dad prepping to insanity, Bro, which yeah. is like fucking type A personality. So it's like things like that. Like I was kind of like, oh, that's funny. Like um, it's nice. To think yeah, about. it's nice thinking of those things. Um, but like at the whole time, like that's six months. Like I can't even remember it. Like yeah, clearly like. And, like, my cousin dying was, like, fucking <laughs> just in threes. Like, you know. Yeah, it's a bit of a um, blur. Yeah, like, that cousin was particularly close with my brother because my brother goes to Fiji, like, every fucking year, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so they always hang out, always, like, you know, YTB and everything. And then I had to ring my brother to tell him that he, he had died. So that was fucked. Yeah. Because um, I called him. I was at work and I found out. And then I was just, like... What the fuck? Leonard's died? Like, in his sleep? Like, what? It's, like, not even... This is literally, like, dad died two months ago. Like, you know, this is literally all within six months. Like, since yeah. mom died. And, um, you know, just, like, just doing all that stuff. Because it's, like, you know, you're only in... When you... At least here, like, we had the funeral... Like, I had the funeral planners. I had the same funeral planner. Shout out, White Lady Funerals, Bankstown. Shout out, Glenda. She's hectic. <laughs> Um, but like, it was still a lot because as, um, you know, my mom died in the morning on the 3rd of August and then they said, okay, like you can have, like, she'll be here until three and then we have to take her to the mortuary. So we had all that crying time and everything. But as soon as she went to the mortuary and we went downstairs to to get coffee and like think of the next steps, I was straight away, my dad's like, okay, call the funeral home, call this, do this, do this. So it's like I like I was only like that's just the given. Yeah. Um and I'm the youngest. So I was bitter for a while, like just saying, how come I'm the youngest and I have to organize like everything? But it's just it, it became a it became a female thing. Like it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I have no tolerance. Like I'm if I become a mother and I just have sons. They're going to fucking learn quickly that every role I don't, there's no, nothing is a gendered role. They're going to fucking <laughs> deal yeah. with it. Legit. Cause I didn't, I didn't have time to grieve until, I mean, I probably started grieving like maybe like a year after, like maybe the last year. I, I still don't know. Like what is, like, I don't, you know, cause it was really, yeah. Cause to go back to back funerals. <laughs> I think I think it sounds like for the next bit of time anyway, it's it's gonna like start to you're gonna start to kind of feel like the yeah, cause um uh, it's cool because like they work around the customs too and everything. Mm. Um, I didn't dress my dad though, cause I that was that would have been too like upsetting, but I dressed mom. Um, and it was just crazy, like even little things. Like she went from being a size twenty-four. Like the dress I bought her, like for to be buried in, was a size ten. That's how much she was, like how she suffered with her mm. sickness. Um, just little things like that. But I think it, in its way, it was a weird coping mechanism because I was so busy. I just made myself busy, so yeah. then I could deal with it. Like I didn't didn't want time to deal with the grief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like. You know, because dad died at home and I found him and like, so the police and the ambulance have to come and they tell you, I'm like, sorry, there's nothing you could have done. Like he's dead. I'm like, thanks. Um, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> but I, I just remember standing there and being like, oh, okay. 
and then like the ambulance went and they leave all their stuff around so yep. then you have to clean that up mm. and then um no hate on ambulances just saying how it is like all the hard stuff when they try to revive him and everything yeah and but the police were there for a while they were like oh like they're questioning like oh like is this a suicide attempt or like you know blah 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 or can i look at his messages on his phone like blah 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 and all that stuff and um i just remember like not even like eating or anything that day like i I offered like the police like food and everything. I kept like being like an ethnic host. I was like, do you want some watermelon? Like I can cut up some fresh watermelon. Yeah. We got pizza here. And I think I nearly like made the officer cry because she was just like, oh my God, this girl's like not coping. <laughs> but um, going from that, it was so, it was so slow and so fast at the same time. Cause by the time the funeral's over and then the people go away, like we have in Fijian tradition, we have what's called a rengu, rengu, and so that's leading up to the person getting buried. That families in the community would come with envelopes of money or mats or food or anything to pay their respects. So you have all that traditional stuff happening. So you have to also um you feed everyone there. So you do basically breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. Like you're taking care of people for twenty four hours. Um, in that Fuck. process so I was like organising people like okay get this from Costco get this we need like more sugar we need more tea we need to go to office works to get all like the supplies for like food and then we also need like you know all that stuff yeah and like I think it's true because it's the aftermath that's the more okay like no like you know for a while for a few months you might have family coming in all the time helping you eat helping you cook um some of like my brother's friends they're like have a really good cook so they were like um one of my brother's friends um wives was making us like proper italian lasagna that was like a secret family recipe to freeze mm, so we could yum. actually like freeze it and everything mm. so you have all that support and then when it dies down and dies down that's when you're really alone with your grief because you don't have a distraction of like yeah. people helping out and friends wanting to hang out all the time then you're just by yourself with your thoughts yeah and because your sibling would be going through their own thing too so it's still we still like I, I just not that I'm sick of talking to them but it's getting to the stage where I think I'm dealing with it enough that I'm starting the process talking about it that I just am kind of like okay like it's happened they're never going to come back yeah but it's just what how I deal with this now after if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. like in the beginning as well, it consumes your life. Like yeah. this, this event in your life is like the biggest event that's happened and yeah. probably will happen for us as children. Yeah. And then like, you know, dealing with that and having to deal with the aftermath of that every day to then eventually realize that you have to kind of go back into some sort of routine. Yeah. And so then like after a few years, it's like, okay, that was just not just, but that was an event that happened in my life. And, you know, to be honest, after you survive it, you have to think that it puts everything into perspective. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, your friends not wanting to be friends with you or stuff like that. You don't give a shit mm. because you've lost your parents. <laughs> Yeah, like the the trials and tribulations we go through. It's yeah. just like 
you really think about it it's like and some friends when they complain to you like you know i lost i had a fallout with one friend pretty much straight away because she complained to me about her parents like that christmas of 2017 wow and i straight up told her i said why like no like i said i don't know why you're telling me this you know i've lost both my parents this year yeah i'm sorry and she was offended by it and like you know what like i'll like i'm fucking ruthless like i don't care like but also like she didn't read the room like yeah and that's on her like i think there's no just block and delete i don't think you would have i don't think you would have invalidated her feelings about her parents but yeah. it's just like timing come yeah, on come on guys like tell another friend yeah that can has parents alive yeah <laughs> that can give you the advice you want like don't go and tell read a friend. the fucking room jessica her name was not jessica i just said <laughs> like i just like my cousin's friend always says that read the room jessica and we don't know who the jessica is but it's just a funny could be anyone but open to interpretation <laughs> but that's that's exactly it though um, yeah and that you know it's it's unfortunate but it puts that's things the reality. into perspective and um for me it was like a it is what it is. It is what it is. It yeah. literally is. Like you, if you lose friendships over this, like fuck, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> like I don't. Yeah, and that's the reality of it. But we're gonna take a short break, um, yes. and we're gonna come back to you guys and talk about some more coping mechanisms yes. that we've been that we had, and some coping mechanisms that we've got now, and also just a summary of what we want people to know as people who have lost parents. So. We'll come back to you guys after this short break. Yo, it's Cribs here. In case you didn't know, we're on Patreon now, a new membership platform we've launched to allow our listeners to get exclusive access to some great perks like bonus episodes and access to a private 2BG group chat. Keep listening to find out more. Hello, hello, hello. We're back with segment two of our grief episode. I couldn't think of a witty title name for the grief episode because it's fucking grief. So <laughs> I don't know. I can't make a quick pun about it. Um, I was saying previously before dead parent check, but now like I reflect on that and I'm like, mm, okay, like I'll probably just share it with my friends who've lost a parent too, <laughs> which is what we do. Well, I had dead parent check. <laughs> fucking TikTok. But yeah like what was it what Cribs mentioned about, before yeah. is coping mechanisms um <laughs> and the ones the unhealthy ones that we've had in the beginning yeah you know for um for me growing up Samoan like one of the biggest ways that we connect with our um our d- dead loved ones is that we go to visit their grave and I'm actually just realizing now as i'm talking about it that in samoa like a lot of the graves that we have of our loved ones they are like like so decked out decked out they're like people steal stuff from the graves they do that in fiji uh, i'm not sure because (laughs) the graves are in the villages they're like in the homes and sometimes they're Uh, at the front sometimes they're at the back wow it just depends like i'm not sure like what the placements mean but yeah i know that they want them so close that they are buried in the village and also there's not really like cemeteries in Samoa. that's like, old school that's hectic yeah like and so you're meant to be buried yeah so like you're you're buried in your village and you're buried amongst your families so like yeah for them like they are like decked out and there are different things like there's a lot of traditions that i don't know where sometimes that depending on where they're buried sometimes they'll actually get like moved 
Oh, okay. Yeah, like I saw something on Facebook a few months ago where like people that didn't know, including myself, were like, what the fuck is going on? But it was actually um, this family that had been, they had opened up the casket of a loved one that had died a few years ago. And they actually went to transport them, like move them to another grave. Yeah. But before that, they actually, like actually cleaned all of the bones oh some countries like it's do a that, it's yeah. a cultural thing and they were and they were singing and crying and it was just like like tears of like joy and just like it was really special watching it at first i was like i wasn't sure what was happening but i talked yeah. to my sister and she was like yeah this is like a thing that they do and like it's it's like a real connection thing for them because they're like cleaning the bones of the body and they're just like this is so lovely and you know just like I you know and I thought that was really special for them and a lot so, of another country does that um yeah like the you know when you're left on the mountain peak is it Nepalese like yeah Ooh. your body's like eaten or like you get reburied and everything there's a lot of cultures that's cool yeah, yeah. so it was cool to see that still happen yeah. in this day and age um and so obviously taking that into account and how proximity to like graves is like like really strong in my culture i've like that's been instilled in me growing up that when my grandma died when my godmother died in new zealand every time i travel there like the the cemetery is right next to the airport so we'd literally get off the plane first stop is go to the cemetery and see them which is such an if you think of it it's such mm. an intense thing because you've literally just flown how long is the flight to Sama? it's only about oh no no it's uh new zealand oh okay um <laughs> no that's like three hours to new zealand but yeah. like going to samoa is like five hours yeah but um i guess samoa don't really do that much but new zealand definitely yeah. like it was just the first thing and then also before i leave yeah I'd go there again so like for me growing up like my amount of connection to that person is was based on how often I would see them. Yeah. And I took that with my mom as well. So I felt like I had to see her every single week in order to remain closer to her. Yeah. And um and what I didn't realize and I only, you know, I kind of had a revelation when we had that podcast recording with Lizzie. Shout out Lizzie. Um shout out Lizzie and Nick. <laughs> Nikki. Um from I Know My Truth podcast yeah um and we were talking about like visiting graves and shit and i i guess i didn't realize until in that episode where i was when saying she said that, it, hey like yeah, yeah like you like for me it was just an automatic thing um but what i didn't realize is that i had a lot of traumatic events happen to me when i was at my mom's grave like yeah there was a lot of milestones i would go see her when i like before my you know i was dressed up for my year 10, I mean, my year 12 graduation. Yeah. I was dressed up for my year 10 graduation. Like I tried to be there for all those milestones, but then I was also there for like a lot of like traumatic events. Like my dad telling me that he, he like I should be grateful for him. Cause if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be alive. Um, you know, uh. and, <laughs> and basically telling me that if they didn't have like this daughter before that I wouldn't be born. So like I had some really, Thanks. thank you. <laughs> I had some really like traumatic events happen to me there. Yeah. And so like, I didn't Understandably. realize, yeah, I didn't realize that I had like a lot of like disconnection from that. Yeah. That when I went to see her, it just didn't feel like I was seeing her. Like it yeah. just didn't feel like the connection that I was probably trying to get. Yeah. Um, and it didn't change until uh, I guess some coping mechanisms now, like I had a psychic reading, which, as much as I would love to like keep talking about it, I really feel like I should stop talking about it. But 
for those who don't know, I had a psychic reading um, and I got to speak to my mom. There was a lot of clarity that I had from it. And um, like Talitha was saying, there's, you don't realize like that you go to your parents for advice and, you know, like validation and things like that. And just knowing if they were happy with what you had been achieving. And I had a lot of that in my life, you know, like not being without my mom for like 14 years and my dad not really being a dad. I guess he was like trying to compare himself to me all the time. Um, (laughs) And so like, I didn't really have that parental figure to like gas me up or to like write a big ass Facebook status about me to say how proud she was that I graduated from something. Yeah. And so having that psychic reading, I only had one hour um, and it gave me more clarity than like I could have ever wanted about my mom and she spent the entire hour basically telling me how proud of her how proud of me that she was and that she's never left um and she just all of that good stuff and for me it was really special because um it sounds weird but like how do I say it I kind of feel like she's around now like I know what you were saying before Talitha about how like you know, you have to like realize that your parents are gone and yeah. you have to like live your life without them. Well, like the weird thing is, is like after that reading, I felt like she'd never left. Like I felt she's like- She's been here the whole time. Yeah, I felt like she was, she's still in my life. And that when I would talk about shit, like I would talk about my mom, like as if she was fucking on this earth. <laughs> I'd be like, that's so crazy. Like my mom was saying that to me. Like, Yeah, I realize I do that too. I'm like, oh yeah, my dad. Then I was like, wait, I haven't spoken to him since fucking November, 2017. <laughs> but that's like, that's what I feel like the reading gave me. Um, that it gave me that sense of present, like her presence that yeah. like her spirit is still there. And I still feel like she's with me every day now. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, like obviously just digressing a slight that obviously kind of bridges like my, my like the divide between my faith and like my spiritual side because like I've never felt more connected to her than I did after, until like after that reading um and I truly feel like she's like there with me every day yeah and so that's something that's like helped me as a coping mechanism now um realizing that I don't you know the coping mechanism before of like trying to see her at, at, at the grave like at a cemetery yeah. Um, as a way to connect with her versus now realizing that I don't need that yeah. and it doesn't quantify my love or my connection to her. Yeah. Um, but also like therapy, like I, I booked an appointment. Shout out therapy. Shout out. Um, we love therapy here on the two brownish girls podcast. Yes, Cause I need a no. fuck off amount of therapy <laughs> in general. There is no taboo here. I needed us. therapy before my parents died. So <laughs> this is just uh, icing on the cake. But yes, yeah, therapy is one that's, that's um, it's a, it's a new journey for me. I haven't had it before. Yeah. It's going to be my first appointment next month. So um, it's something that I, I really want to talk about because like both my, my siblings, they haven't done it. And yeah, older siblings tend to not do therapy. They're like, I'm good. Like <laughs> the older generations are like, yeah. They're like, nah. I turned out fine. I'm like, but did you though? Did any of us? Exactly. Exactly. I think <laughs> I think we all sometimes feel like that we did, but then in reality, we just like realize a lot of our traumatic events were like normalized, suppressed, yeah, <laughs> and suppressed. It fucked. Yeah. So yeah, that's my coping mechanisms. Um, how have yours 
been in the beginning versus <laughs> now? Um, I used to drink a lot, a lot. Um, I drank really throughout my mum's sickness, basically, mm. that I was told to stop drinking for a while because I was doing enough damage to my liver. Yeah. And so I was like to my doctor, I was like, what do you mean? Like drinking stop for a year or like a few months? And she's like, no, for literally like two to three years mm. until your liver regains some fucking sense of normalcy. Um, which was very hard for me because I, I love drinking. Yeah. Um, and like that was one big thing that I was doing a lot like during when she was sick and then she died and then I just got worse with drinking but I think I only, I literally only drank and then dad died then I drank like I cut down I think after dad died then I didn't drink as much like mm. yeah like I had my moments my all-nighters and surrender to the bender um but like <laughs> that's literally my energy um Compared to now, like, you know, I'm trying to think last time. Yeah, like now I don't drink as much. Um, I'm, I feel like a coping mechanism too is probably shopping. <laughs> um, yeah. You I talked about practicing mindfulness as well. Yeah, it's just, I was just pr trying to practice that I shouldn't feel the pressure to like force myself to do anything because i don't feel that i'm being productive or yeah. um which is a problem that i have type a ting. yeah type a energy like i'm intense like i'm just an intense person um like if we have plans or anything i'm like very intense with <laughs> like plans and whatnot and just being i'm 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 kind of really organized in most of my um yeah things that i do i mean i spend a significant amount of my time like traveling overseas by myself mm. like from when i was like 19 so like my that's like kind of my that i'm just like i'm trying to chill <laughs> um from all that because i don't think i've really made myself relax since all those deaths and um I still think I'm a very highly strong person. Like my coworkers joke about it and every, most people in my life joke about how highly strong I am. Um, but yeah, it's just, I want to go back. I used to paint a lot and read a lot, like when I was younger. So I would like to go back into those type of avenues. I still just need to clean my room because that's my <laughs> depression, anxiety <laughs> cave, <laughs> mental health check. <laughs> like that's literally like um it's just like yeah it's just i think i just need to stop being too hard on myself yeah um, definitely which is what i do normally being a highly strong person <laughs> being a very intense person yeah and you were saying that you're also trying to be more grounded yeah like i've been i've been playing too much playstation recently and i had like a nightmare involving like three different video games. If you want to know the video games, yes, it's Ghost of Tsushima and then it's Deus Ex Mankind Divided and then it's also just like Doom 95. The So basically what happened is the Mongols from Ghost of Tsushima got together with the Cyber Demon from Doom and they tried to kill me, <laughs> but the robots from Deus Ex were trying to help me. So that was the energy of my dream. And that's <laughs> when I decided I need to put the PS4 controller down 
and go outside or read a fucking book or something because that was just too much for me. Yeah. So I think like there's also the pressure of being online, which is such a fucking annoying thing because we we have like having the podcast as well. Like, and I I I wanted to disconnect last weekend, but I just couldn't because you can't. Like, you really hey, like you really like yeah. There's so much. There's like, but I think we're possible though. I think it's important to try and um try and be more grounded in general because um i think it's it's easy for me to use the internet as an escape and to um use it as an escape and basically just shut out what's currently going on in my life yeah um so trying to be more grounded that we can actually like face whatever we're going through i think you just need to like it's just more like taking care of yourself like um Mm. it's like replacing all the unhealthy coping mechanisms i'm like there's so many bad coping mechanisms i have like my brother pointed out and you probably noticed it at the start of like the podcast it's like when you said something like you said about crying that you've cried a few times and then i laughed because my brother said you have this coping mechanism that has annoyed me since we were kids and i'm like (laughs) what is it and he's just like you know, anything serious that goes on, like anything mum and dad would say or anything serious in the family, you just start laughing like out of like awkwardness. So you're just like, as your coping thing, like you use humor cause you just try to divert from the actual issue. And I'm like, that's true actually. Yeah. <laughs> like I do that a lot. Like someone brings up something serious and on the family event, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and then they're all just like this bitch, but yeah, that's like I really do need to work on my communication um, in regards to that. But baby steps, yeah, baby, baby steps. steps. Like, yeah. I mean, all it is, like, it is. Hey, like the healthy eating, the exercise. Like, I like how I'm saying that, and I don't do that. But that's literally, I know. I l- I as long better. as you know, as long as you know yeah. what needs to be done. <laughs> I know I feel better going to the gym and fucking doing weights and everything, like a HK, like. Fuck cardio. Um, Legit. But yeah, like it's just learning to. Yeah. One thing I did want to say, um, just reflecting on what you were talking about, just being like, it is what it is in terms of. Yeah. Like grieving and. Just like, you don't have to accept it straight away, but you just have to acknowledge. Yeah. And we get there. It's everyone's journey to that place point is like. Some is longer, some is shorter. Yeah. But I think it's good to acknowledge when you do get there. Yeah. And realize like how like you live your life after that. Because um <clears throat> I I've come to a point now, like in terms of putting our parents' death into perspective, yeah. I've put like I like to say that I live my life based on it is what it is. If there are things that are out of my control, I just don't give it energy anymore. Yeah. It's just I don't have time for it. And I've realized that I can't, nothing I say or do is going to change that, that action. So like, why would I give a fuck about it? Why would I give more time than necessary? Yeah. And so I like to say that's how I um, carry myself in, in terms of like going through like grieving as well. It's Mm. like some things I can't, I can't change. So yeah, might as well just process it. And then just move on. It's really dealing with your emotions, especially if you're like an insensitive, like ice maiden, like I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I'm. 
Like right. I'm dealing with it. Like, you know, it's just there's a lot to deal with because I'm not – I like – I don't like showing my feelings. I view it as like a sign of weakness and everything because I'm just like that energy. Mm. So it's like, I mean, I don't care if anyone else shows their emotions because it's them. But me, I just choose not to um, in general. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we can cry, but there's stuff to get done. So <laughs> that's great. Crying's not going to get us close to getting this stuff done. But <laughs> thank you. Um. But the main thing also I wanted to point out is like, please, 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 for the love of God, stop telling people to be strong. Yes, this is our final point. This is literally a PSA. I will print a fucking poster at Officeworks to emphasize <laughs> this and put it on the M4 or wherever the fuck. Because you really, especially it always, always, always comes from friends who have alive parents. I'm sorry, this is not your time. Yeah. Your parents are alive. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell me to be strong when you go home and or you ring your parents and they're still alive. Nothing can compare it. Nothing can prepare you for it. No. Um so yeah, don't tell, don't don't tell people how to feel. <laughs> yeah, like um you know, this whole episode was us expressing ourselves. We're not telling anyone what they should be doing, but no. we're just discussing how we've dealt with the trauma that yeah. we've been through and that if not that it will help anyone, but if anyone just wants to hear a perspective on like how we've dealt with it, um, like the past fourteen years, yeah, because we both, yeah, we both dealt dealt with it in different ways. So yeah. I think I'd like to say that we both have different perspectives that could not, yeah, like you said, not probably help, but like just give a different perspective. <laughs> yeah, like it took like it took a while <laughs> for. I think we turned dad's phone off two years after like we just I said I said just delete the sim card or whatever like stop paying for the plan to my brother last yeah. year and he said I'm proud of you because that's a big so now it's like a teenager that has my dad's phone on because I still have my dad on whatsapp and I'm like oh god I hope he doesn't see <laughs> like cause I, I used to send stuff to him after he died too yeah like just talking oh I'm in New York now or blah 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 so but yeah, like that energy yeah. and everything. Everyone has their ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which leads into another another PSA is that there is no certain time or uh, process duration for people to be through their grieving process. Yeah. Some, some stages in grieving take years um, and some may never happen. But... I think we need to let we need to be kinder to people yeah. that have lost a parent or someone that is really close to them, um, because nothing's going to prepare you for it. And we just have to be real with that. Yeah, and especially um, for our friends that have parents that are alive. Um, another PSA: read the room. <laughs> it's a pretty basic one, but you know you can Google it. Just like, do a light read. I'm not telling you to fucking like write read a novel about grief but i am telling you that i see most of you on fucking online updating your instagram stories tweeting and all this bullshit you have enough time to google how to deal with friends who've lost a parent like yep. you literally i've searched that myself on google and i'm not i'm not telling you to do it but if you don't want me to yell at you <laughs> then fucking say you know, no <laughs> 
don't say dumb shit to me because yeah. like now I'm at the point where like the life the first years after they died I was still like fucking sad girl Lana Del Rey but now I'm like ready to punch on so <laughs> I mean I'm always ready to punch on <laughs> that's my energy <laughs> But um, that comes to the end of our episode. So um, this has been our August episode, episode eight. Um, Thank you guys for being here. Um, We appreciate it. And um, um, we're hoping that you're enjoying our um, new and improved um, sound, our music and our effects. Yes. (laughs) We love to see it. (laughs) so thank you um again if you guys are interested we do have a patreon where you can subscribe to a lot of bonus shit that we are working on and we already have um it's on our uh bio on our instagram so which is obviously two brownish girls if you don't already know um if you know you know (laughs) we need that as a sound effect yeah look at (laughs) hefs me like saying that like Slightly, kind of not seductively. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But until then, we hope you guys are well. Um, Stay safe out there. Wear your masks. Um, Please wear your masks. I see you on the train, you fucking shifty ones, not wearing a fucking mask. (laughs) I'll haunt you. If I get COVID, I'll fucking haunt you. (laughs) Um, But until then, we'll speak to you in... Fuck, September. Oh, shit. (laughs) Wake me up when September ends. Fucking green day. (laughs) See you guys. Bye. Bleeper here with more information on Patreon. Two Brownish Girls listeners now have the opportunity to support what we do through different tiers of membership for as little as $3 a month, which gains you access to some great perks, including a private group chat with Discord, bonus episodes, and live video chats. This would help us grow and bring our podcast to you on a bigger scale. Find out more and sign up today at patreon.com forward slash two brownish girls. Thanks for listening to Two Brownish Girls. Feel free to share your takeaways from this episode by liking our Instagram page at Two Brownish Girls where you can interact with us and impact more after each episode. Until next time. Bye. bye.